on the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia. This is Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. Religion for Life explores the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I am excited to have two guests in the studio with me at WETS. Joe Hoffman is the senior minister of the First Congregational United Church of Christ in Asheville, North Carolina, and among many things, the congregation houses the Campaign for Southern Equality, and that's the focus of our conversation today. Also with me is Reverend Jasmine Beach Ferrara, Executive Director of the Campaign for Southern Equality. Welcome, Jasmine and, J- and Joe, to Religion for Life. Thank you. Good Thank to be you. here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, tell us a bit about yourselves, Joe. You and your congregation. Uh, how, what, what do you What do you guys do, and what's your relationship to this Campaign for Southern Equality? We, we have always been, a, we're in our 100th year anniversary right now. We've always been a progressive church in Asheville. And one of the things we did about 2002 was become open and affirming, which means that we welcome all people wherever you are on, in, on the journey of life. And so um, Jasmine and I met along the way, and uh, she decided she wanted to do this organization called Campaign for Southern Equality. And we got to talking, and we had space in our church that we weren't using. And I said, why don't we just do it right here? So it's been a great thing for us to have her with us. She's kind of like a colleague that uh, I can talk ministry with and we can talk Campaign for Southern Equality stuff together. And the congregation just loves having this organization in our church to do this justice work. And so this is uh, seen as a justice issue for your congregation. Your, your congregation is involved in a number of justice issues. We're involved in a number. This is probably the biggest one on our radar, uh, partly because it's such a timely uh, concern in, in the country right now, in the state. So, uh, and half of the congregation, I would say, is LGBT. We're split about half and half straight and gay. Okay. Well, thank you, Jasmine. You, as our uh, UCC minister as well. So how did the Campaign for Southern Equality get started, and how did you get involved with that? We launched the Campaign for Southern Equality, or CSE, officially in 2011 in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, The work of that originated back in 2004, and a core group of folks who became founding board members and, and myself um, started working on LGBT rights campaigns across the country and f- spent about five or six years learning everything we could about what was happening in the movement, studying other civil rights movements, and during that time developing the blueprint for what became the Campaign for Southern Equality, which is looking at a specific set of strategies and tactics we can use in the South in this particular moment to tell a story to the rest of the country about why LGBT people need to be fully equal under the law and in our lived lives. You use uh, the phrase civil rights. This is, in a sense, the civil rights issue of our day. It is, I think, part of the, you know, the long struggle in our country to assure that all people are treated equally under the law and protected under the law. We, with a lot of humility and deference, have studied the civil rights movement um, related to racial justice in our country um, significantly. And there's tremendous sort of strategic and ethical lessons to be drawn from the way that uh, things like direct action were used in that movement combined with legal strategies. So certainly, you know, and I, I think we see a growing um, understanding in our country that that the civil rights of LGBT people is, a, is an issue that simply must be dealt with and, and that we'll see some legal resolution on in the next couple of years. 
I was involved with you, Jasmine, last year in one of the actions in Morristown, Tennessee. Uh, at that action, a same-sex couple, Matt and Ramey, uh, requested a marriage license at the courthouse and were, of course, denied. And uh, their story is on the website, by the way, which I want to mention, southernequality.org. Uh, so tell us about the strategy and, and the goal of that uh, that We Do campaign. Exactly. The We Do campaign, which has been to Morristown, Tennessee, and, and we've traveled now all across the South from the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, clear on through the Carolinas and Virginia, um, standing with more than 100 LGBT couples across the South as they've requested marriage licenses in their hometowns um, and have been denied. Uh, the reason that we take this action is to shine a very bright light on the reality of what a discriminatory law that's typically invisible looks like when it's actually enforced. Um, that laws that ban same-sex marriage affect gay and lesbian people and families every single day, but they're invisible to the general public. And what happens when a couple goes into their local courthouse, goes up to the counter, and says, we'd like to marry, is that that law actually gets enforced. Um, there's also a very powerful human encounter that happens mm -hmm. between the family on one side of the counter, the county staffers on the other. Um, and we try to go into that from an ethic and position of love and empathy um, and seeing each opportunity, each moment at the counter as potentially a transformative one. Um, I should note that we're continuing to grow the We Do campaign to new communities across the South, and that we're also seeing people on the other side of the counter start to respond differently. In North Carolina and Buncombe County, where Joe and I live, the Register of Deeds has begun accepting the applications of gay couples, not granting licenses, but accepting the applications and has requested permission from the Attorney General to actually grant a license. Um, there's a candidate okay. for registered deeds in Orange County, North Carolina, who said that if elected, he will go ahead and grant the licenses because he believes that's the constitutional thing to do. And as an elected official, his sworn duties to the Constitution. So we're seeing some interesting movement as we keep showing up again and again and again and presenting ourselves. Um, and, and we're you know, headed down to Jackson, Mississippi and Raleigh, North Carolina in the next two months to do more actions. So you're seeing, I remember with, with that event in, in Morristown, there was a great deal of laughter and a great deal of connection. Um, I mean, there was, there was a serious, well, there were some tears too, I mean, and we gathered together to uh, affirm one another in this thing, and it was at the courthouse, kind of public, but also there was really, there was a sense of a connection between the staff at the courthouse and the couple and the families. And that is really the spirit in which we try to take these actions. Um, we do outreach to the staff beforehand so they know exactly what to expect. We do dialogue with law enforcement. We do a blessing of the couple before mm -hmm. we leave uh, and process to the courthouse. We do a prayer service for reconciliation that clergy like you and jo Joe both have helped lead um, to publicly express our wish for reconciliation with those on the other side of this issue or those asked to enforce these laws. What we're trying to do in that is essentially public theology in action um, and is, is saying as clearly as we can that our wish is, is for reconciliation rather than alienation. We know that the issue of LGBT rights is one that can alienate families, churches, and communities. Um, we have a very earnest, heartfelt hope that as our country moves through this next stage of this issue, it, it can be in more of a spirit of reconciliation and we feel a responsibility to try to express that through our actions. If you're just joining us on Religion for Life, my guests are Reverend Jasmine Beach Ferrara, Executive Director of the Campaign for Southern Equality, and Joe Hoffman, who is the Senior Minister of the First Congregational United Church of Christ in Asheville, North Carolina, the church that houses the offices uh, for CSE, or the Campaign for Southern Equality. That website is southernequality.org. 
Now, my daughter, Katie, and my daughter-in-law, Amber, are, are residents in Tennessee, but we're married in uh, New York City uh, this past Thanksgiving. I was honored to, to do the That's officiate awesome. at the wedding, and yeah. that was fun. And um, and I teased them. Uh, they're going to have a... Um, another celebration in September, and I tease them, when you're gay, you get two weddings. But, but, <laughs> but that's because, of course, of inequality. They would have loved to have had one um, here in Tennessee. Um, tell us about Katie and Amber's situation and other people like that who are married, perhaps in another state that grants that, but now live in a state that does not recognize. Well, what are some things that they, they can be aware of um, and some actions that they, they can take? Well, there's more and more couples in, in the situation like you described. You know, we work with a couple named Barb and Ann. They've been together for 30 years. They've now been legally married for two. They live in North Carolina. North Carolina says you're a legal stranger. One mm. thing they are doing um, is making a choice uh, about they have participated in the We Do campaign, and now they're participating in a campaign we're running called the Refuse to Lie campaign, which is about um, – couples and allies standing up for equality when they file their state taxes. One of the things that's happening in Tennessee, North Carolina, many other states, is that the state is saying, even though you're recognized as married by the federal government and you file your federal taxes jointly, you need to file your state taxes singly because we see you as strangers to each other. And couples are sending in copies of their marriage licenses when they file their taxes. Some couples are making a decision to file their state taxes jointly as an act of civil disobedience. So that's very one very, very concrete thing. Bigger picture, though, I think people being out and sharing their story continues to be one of the most critical things that mm. we can do as LGBT people and families and as allies. And Joe maybe can speak to the experience of, as an ally and a specifically clergy, what it means to be out publicly as a supporter of LGBT rights. Uh, to me, it's very important because it's, it's to say that we're on, we're on the same side of this issue. Um, a few years ago, I decided I would no longer uh, grant heterosexual marriages. I wouldn't legalize them because it was a part of that discriminatory system. Mm. And it was my way of saying, if I can't offer the same pastoral care to everyone in my congregation, then, then that's not a good thing to do. So um, we're trying to make it as obvious and evident as in every way we can. So, for example, when you do a ceremony, you will do the ceremony for both, but you won't, but you won't sign the license. I won't sign the piece of paper from the state, right. Now, this is called the Campaign for Southern Equality. What's particularly Southern about it? A lot is pretty Southern about it. Mostly the people. Mm -hmm. We are um, on the road across the South, often in very small towns, populations of 500, 2,000, um, places where LGBT people live, because we live literally in every town across the South, but where there's not a lot of visibility and perhaps where it might be considered, quote unquote, unlikely for a gay couple or gay people to stand up publicly and call for equality. Um, the spirit that we do it in is is pretty Southern. You know, a mm -hmm. lot about hospitality. Mm. Um, we laugh a lot. You know, we're um, we we have trainings in people's living rooms and kitchens. We sleep on people's couches. They put us up. We are in church basements. Um, you know, part of the analysis behind our work is that in this particular historical political moment and cultural moment, the South has a very unique role to play in our country getting to granting full equality to LGBT people. The South for a long time was written off as unwinnable territory. It was largely invisible in national narratives about LGBT mm -hmm. rights. That's changing. And one of the reasons it's changing is because we're seeing LGBT people and allies in the South who are ready to stand up in very bold ways and share their stories. Um, and, and that the narrative isn't, I'm, I'm escaping the South. The narrative is the South is my home. And I ought to be treated equally here. 
Uh, and that's really at the heart of what we're doing is saying, you know, your rights shouldn't depend on your zip code. This is our home. And and that's and, and this is a part of kind of our the American experience that we're in together is are we equal in all 50 states a friend of mine uh, grew up in this area in tennessee went uh, to college in california and then came back and, and, and his line was these are our mountains too yeah you exactly right. exactly and i think there's a lot of um you know pressures and, and narratives that if you're gay in the south if you're if you're able to financially or opportunity wise you get out of here and that's just not true um one third of lgbt americans live in the south the population, the LGBT mm. population in the South is robust. It's very diverse. Some of the largest racial diversity in the LGBT community you see in the South. If you're a same-sex couple raising kids in the United States, um, the, the highest per capita percentage of same-sex couples raising kids are in Mississippi. Wow. There's a lot of stats that really surprise folks. The parallel piece to that is that the that LGBT organizations and groups in the South get less than 3% of all funding nationally. Um, so hmm. in the very area where the discrimination is the most entrenched, LGBT people are most likely to be poor and living on the margins. There's also an absolute dearth of resources. So at the heart of our work is also a sense of the moral imperative to respond to the realities and vulnerabilities and, frankly, suffering that happens day in and day out because we are second-class citizens in this region and because there's simply not resources to do this work. And some of that resources internal. You, you wrote on the website, it says, if you have lived as an LGBT person in the South, you have more than enough strength to change the laws of this country. That's something we see every single day. You know, we're about to head back down to Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been standing with folks in Mississippi for about the last 18 months in actions. And I just think of many of my the friends we've made down there who have been living um, as transgender folks in Mississippi, living as gay folks for 40, 50 years in Mississippi, um, and the resilience and strength that they possess, the strength of their spirits uh, is extraordinary. And when you witness that and when you see someone, um, as happened in you know Hattiesburg, as five couples went to the courthouse to request marriage licenses, it's the first time they'd ever done anything, quote-unquote, activism-wise. Mm -hmm. And just the power of the human spirit in that moment is... Incredible. Joe was there with us for that mm -hmm. action. And, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think when you see that in action, you, it's, a, it's an overwhelming experience. Now, the campaign for Southern equality includes marriage equality. That seems to be, of course, certainly in the news. Uh, but it's more than that, isn't it? What, what are some other aspects of equality that you're working for? Well, one of the things we do is um, run free legal clinics so that LGBT people can learn about how to protect their rights under current laws um, and learn about uh, their rights in the area such as employment protection, for instance. Um, one concrete fact is that you can be fired for being gay in any southern state. And based on new developments in federal law, transgender folks have new protections under federal law against employment discrimination. Um, so that's an example of how, how we are providing services and programming that help people in the here and now we are second-class citizens today. There's a lot you have to navigate as a result of that. So we run these free legal clinics. We offer support services. We work in partnership with an incredible array of state, local, and national organizations doing legal services, human services, aid services. Um, and the third part of what we do is just try to get tools and resources to local organizers doing grassroots work on the ground to keep the conversation going locally. Um, which is where the real heartbeat of this issue is. It's kitchen tables. It's water coolers. It's mm -hmm you know, conversations among friends and family. Everyone we meet across the South is ready to talk about this issue. 
what's missing is opportunities to have that conversation in a relational way. So, and, and Joe, maybe you could speak to some of the things you see about just the needs that exist in the community and coming people showing up at church. And So many of the people that show up at church are people who feel wounded, who feel uh, like they they've missed their life in a lot of ways because they haven't been free to do things that they really wanted to do and felt like they should do. So I deal a lot with people who, who are hurting, who mm-hmm. are trying to just find their way and often hurt by religion, by, right. by the way the, the biblical scriptures have been interpreted and trying, they, they, it's really hard to let go of what you grew up with so that you can be free in a different way. Well, you are the pastor of an open and affirming congregation uh, housing the offices of the Campaign for Southern Equality. So what, in, in that sense, what are, what are some of the most important roles for faith community? You talk about hurting. Um, uh, that aspect of kind of changing that narrative, I mean, what, what is a sin? Those kinds of things are, right. are questions that come up, aren't they? Right. We, we, the theological conversation is pretty rich. Mm-hmm. Um, people come and they bring with them, the, they've changed their theology enough to say, uh, I want to be free. I want to. I want to be a full class citizen. But they bring with them a lot of the baggage of that that old theology at the same time. Right. And so we're often working through uh, trying to to re-theologize who we are as people and who God is. So we do a public role with activism, and then we do a more uh, internal role of just coaching people into uh, seeing the scriptures and seeing life in a different way. Let's talk uh, for a second about about the big picture legally. I think. I lose count because it's changing so fast. 18 states, I think, that recognize marriage equality? There are about, there's oh. several states that are uh, in the midst of an appeals process. So, but yes, you're, you're right in the, right in the, the target. Yeah. So, so how do you think this is playing out? What, what, I mean, even in Tennessee, I saw a, a court case or, or a judge made a ruling for someone who lived somewhere else, was married legally and came here, and then the judge granted some recognition. Yeah, this was just as, uh, a few days ago. A, there's a pending federal challenge in Tennessee to the, the ban on same-sex marriage, and a judge issued a preliminary ruling saying that the couples who are plaintiffs will have their marriages recognized as the case progresses. So it wasn't a broad ruling yet, but it was a very significant step. We've seen judges in uh, Virginia recently rule that the state uh, ban on same-sex marriage was unconstitutional. That mm-hmm. case is in the appeals. We've seen similar rulings in Texas, Utah, Oklahoma. There's cases pending in almost every southern state. Um, we are literally in the throes of our country working this issue out, and it's it's engaging every aspect of our democracy. The judiciary, legislative chambers, there's pressure on President Obama right now to sign an executive order related to employment equality issues, and perhaps most significantly, it's engaging the body politic, the people of our country, in in figuring out how how will America land on this question? So it's a, mm. it's a it's a moment I, I describe as kinetic, just because it's highly dynamic, um, and I think it's a moment in which every action we take towards equality and towards reconciliation has perhaps more impact than it might have had a couple years ago. Coming out in this environment is a different thing than coming out ten years ago for a lot of reasons, but including the impact it can have, the way it can ripple into other people's lives. Well, that, yeah. Uh, through this campaign, how, how have you seen hearts and minds change? Um, you, you've seen people who might have been opposed or uncomfortable um, with the same gender couples change their views. One of the most powerful ways we've seen that happen has been when couples take part in the We Do campaign. Mm-hmm. We go through a risk assessment process with them, 
really ask them to meditate on, are you ready for the risks to your job, potentially to housing, potentially to safety and to family relationships when you are, when you are this out? And for every one couple who feels they can do this, there's five to 10 who decide it's simply too risky hmm. um, because there's not enough of a safety net in their lives in this moment. Um, and one of the things we've seen that's been most powerful is couples who, it's never a simple decision, but couples who decide to do this. And there's always someone in their lives who they're worried about. Um, and I think about you know a couple in their early 80s who, who took this action in Henderson County, North Carolina, named Mary and Carol. They'd been together 40 years, and they were not out until they that morning that they walked to the courthouse. They were not fully out in their lives. And they didn't, and, and watching how their community responded to them and watching how they saw the love that they were met with, they didn't get a single negative response. And people who'd never said a word to them about the subject came up to them and said, I respect what you did, you know. Um, and, and, it's, and stories like that or, or another couple, someone's grandmother who had been opposed uh, to homosexuality and been very vocal about that. And this woman did this with her partner. And on the other side of that, it, it's like something changed in that dynamic. And it opened up the conversation with her grandmother in a new way. Um, you know, for me, in terms of I, I see it as the Holy Spirit at work, um, you know, that the, it's the power of the human spirit and someone expressing themselves in an environment where they're told they ought never express themselves and it's not safe to do so. And they're saying this is a fundamental truth about who I am and I'm doing this with love. And that, I think, is a power that you simply cannot measure. And, and I see it touching other people, allowing other people to open their hearts in new ways time and time again. This is, in a sense, an issue that is very connected to faith, isn't it? And faith and spirituality. Um, the campaign is housed in a church. Mm -hmm. uh, the irony of that is it's been the church that has been most right. oppressive right. Uh, at the larger level. And yet at the same time, it's also uh, a source of, of liberation and, and empowerment. Which is what it's supposed to be, I think. Uh, we, we became too privatized along the way. I think mm -hmm. this role of being a public church and speaking out on the issues that are important for the well-being of the community um, I'd love to see more churches get involved in that. Yeah, just, I mean, just to echo, you know, as we travel the South, we, we work with folks who are part of a wide range of faith traditions, Jewish folks across the Christian spectrum, mm -hmm. Unitarian Universalists, many folks who are agnostic and atheist as well, and who are motivated by a set of philosophical or ethical commitments. Mm -hmm. And what we find, though, is that there's a tremendous openness to faith being part of this work, not not as a prop, you know, you've got a clergy in their collar standing in the photo, but as, as a central concern of it to say, we can't do this work unless it's grounded in a clear set of ethical commitments. And some people will get to those ethical commitments because of scriptural instructions to love God and love your enemy and meet your enemy. Some people will get to that commitment because of a philosophical commitment um, to, you know, to, to acting with love. But we see that there's just a real readiness and an openness. You know, every action we do involves a public prayer service for reconciliation. Um, and folks, uh, and, and I think what we're trying to do is create some new circuitry in what the conversation about religion looks like in our public lives in the South and say, for so many years, the voices that have condemned LGBT people have primarily been religious voices motivated by religious doctrine. Mm -hmm. But there are these other voices of people who are have an affirming message and who are now expressing that message, not just from the pulpit, but in the public square, like Joe. 
Joe Hoffman, Senior Minister at First Congregational United Church of Christ in Asheville, North Carolina, and Reverend Jasmine Beach Ferrara, Executive Director and Minister in the United Church of Christ, uh, Executive Director of the Campaign for Southern Equality, my guests. And uh, Jasmine, you're also an author, a collection of short stories called Damn Love. <laughs> what is that about? I am. Uh, it's a collection of short stories that um, actually deal with a lot of the th themes that we see coming up in the Campaign for Southern Equality, but it's about mm -hmm. families in the South. Um, there's some gay characters in there and just about how sort of families struggle to love each other and, and, and stay connected. Um, it came out last year and uh, it's just been a fun thing to have it out in the world. So was this collection of short stories uh, based on some experiences that you've had, too? I, I know they always do the, the disclaimer yeah. that not based on any real person yet. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is entirely fiction, but it's definitely based on a set of uh, kind of preoccupations that um, are now preoccupations in my ministry, I guess, related to just how we think about issues of reconciliation and love and what happens when people... Um, share who they truly are with those who love them. Some of the characters are gay, but other characters it's sharing other parts of their lives that um, you know, may get a wide range of responses. So there's definitely a lot of thematic overlap. And uh, I spent a lot of my 20s and early 30s writing the stories, and it's been a thrill to have them now out in the world. All right. So, and the title of that book again is? Uh, Damn Love. It's available online and uh, in local bookstores. Just need to have you say that again on the radio. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right. Megan, my wife, has been saying you've got to tell people about this book. So. We are just about out of time. My guests are Joe Hoffman, Senior Minister at the First Congregational United Church of Christ in Asheville, North Carolina. His congregation houses the Campaign for Southern Equality and the Executive Director of the Campaign for Southern Equality, Reverend Jasmine Beach Ferrara, uh, Minister in the United Church of Christ, also with me today. And just a final question of what do you ha have coming up and how might people be involved in the campaign? Well, we'd invite folks to visit us at southernequality.org. We're also on Facebook and Twitter every day. Um, but to connect in person, we have We Do Actions coming up in Jackson, Mississippi. We have a We Do Action coming up in Raleigh, North Carolina on May 8th, which marks two years since Amendment 1 passed in North Carolina banning same-sex marriage. Um, we're running this Refuse to Lie campaign during March and April as uh, couples and allies stand up for equality as they file their state taxes in, in states like North Carolina and Tennessee. And then we're going to keep growing the We Do campaign. We're going to run this until federal law changes unequivocally. So if you're out there and you're interested or you think you know someone who's interested, go to our website, southernequality.org, click on Get Involved and, and get in touch with us. Uh, this campaign grows because we hear from people who say, I think I might like to do this or my friend might be up for talking about this. This is exciting and refreshing. It really is, you said, kinetic. It's a movement. Things, things are happening. And I'm uh, thankful uh, to both of you, uh, grateful for both of you for your work and for being with me today on Religion for Life. Thank, Thank you. you. We are the youth of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethan, Tennessee. You have been listening to Religion for Life. Your host is John Shook. He's our minister. Our website is fpcelizabethan.org. Come visit us. You can find more information about this program and links to podcasts at religionforlife.com. Follow Religion for Life on Twitter, like us on Facebook, listen to us on iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETSFM, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHCFM, Emory, Virginia. Be well!